Steve Lavin and week one Madden Mayhem Picks edition of the Sports Gambling Podcast is presented by MyBookie.ag. Vegas may be closed, but the casino at MyBookie.ag is open 24 7. Use the promo code SGP Casino for a 150% deposit bonus. MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP Casino to play when you get paid at MyBookie. We're also brought to you by Madden Mayhem. Our Madden Simulation Tournament, where we're giving away ten thousand dollars in my bookie credits to the winners with the best brackets, plus prop bets and live in-game wagering on all the action. Get all the info at sportsgamblingpodcast.com/slash/madden. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com/slash/madden. We're also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay per head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free of our aceperhead.com. Slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. You're listening to the Sports Gambling Podcast exclusively on SGPN. Let it ride. Welcome everyone to the sports gambling podcast. I'm Sean stacking the money green with my partner in picks, Ryan real money Kramer. What's happening? Kramer dog. It's April 28th, 5 4 PM here on the West coast. And I am looking at a football preview sheet. Are you kidding me? I mean, Sean, I was a big believer in Santa Claus for the first, I don't know what, eight, eight, nine, ten years <laughs> of my life. But I don't think Santa Claus ever brought football in spring to the people. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. We're doing this Madden Mayhem simulation, and it's it's it started out with DJ Madness, our virtual March Madness tournament, and now we're doing it. We first off, we created an awesome thing. A, a 32 team NFL single game elimination tournament. Are you kidding me? Uh, and of course we're going to be doing the play by play. The tournament starts Thursday night, 5 PM Pacific, 7 PM Pacific for the late game. It's just, I mean, this is something that kind of came around because sports were taken away from us, but now it's become to me, it's become a sport in and of it in and of its own. Like I'm trying to do the math in my head. If we would have had a, a normal sports calendar, I still would have found time to get in and bet on this tournament, do the play by play. Like, I mean, this is just awesome. I know we would have had NBA playoffs right now, but I, I think there's always room for a, a Madden tournament as well. I, I'll, a couple of things I'm learning about myself. One, I am not struggling with isolation compared to some people. Uh, <laughs> and for that reason, am I upset about this? Like I'm kind of happy. I think we've found an area that we can come back to year in and year out. And maybe we start having a simulated football tournament for March madness or April, whatever we Madden mayhem every year, because I'm interested. We got new players in there. We got the rosters updated, all the draft picks, free agents, the rookies, Sean breaking news. Tua 
Herbert and Mr. Burrow himself will be named starting quarterbacks for Madden Mayhem. Yeah, I don't yeah know. it's it's we, it's gonna it's gonna be awesome. I'm really looking forward to the tournament, and I, we're gonna give our picks here in a little bit. And then uh, second part of the show, we have an awesome interview with Steve Lavin, former college basketball coach, current college basketball analyst, and uh, that was really fun. He Steve is. Uh, he graced some wisdom on us. Dropped some. He he was very. He was more zen than I thought going into the interview. Wisdom the a, right word, Sean. Dropped a lot of whiz bombs on us, and uh, that it was a great interview. So stay tuned for that. But uh, Kramer, hit me with the NFL music. Let's get the juices flowing for the live read. You know, I even practiced looking at this board of yours, and I, I still <laughs> to this day have no clue what your color scheme has to do with anything. It's unbelievable. There we go. Madden Mayhem is of course coming. And to participate in Madden Mayhem, you got to be signed up over at mybookie.ag. Use that promo code SGP to play when and get paid and a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Are you kidding me? And if that wasn't enough, we're going to be giving away $10,000 in my bookie credits. Of course, you have to have uh, signed up, uh, fill out your bracket, get that done over at mybookie.ag. All the info, and of course, to fill out your bracket, all you got to do is go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Madden, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Madden. Kramer, would they have their future bets for our Madden tournament up, um, which is awesome. No, and, they and we're don't. Even, no, yes, no, they, they do. don't. They have future bets. It's Christmas bets. in May. They have that. They have prop bets. Of course, if you watch the preview game, Devontae Adams first touchdown score that hit plus 700. I mean, if you did an over and dog parlay, I think that probably would have paid like five, six to one. So tons of opportunity uh, to make a ton of cash. And we're really just giving back so much money. I mean, the government gives you what a lousy 1200 bucks. We got $10,000 we're giving you. And if that wasn't enough, the uh, person with our our favorite Madden Mayhem uh, post on social media, either Twitter or uh, Instagram, using the hashtag Madden Mayhem, the best post will win our TD Pot prize. Mm. So, however many uh, touchdowns scored in the uh, first two games of Madden Mayhem times that times uh, ten dollars, so tw- ten touchdowns scores it's like a times million ten dollars. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how high it gets, but. Uh, throw in the social media posts, tag it, hashtag Mad Mayhem. Let's get to it, Kramer. Let, I mean, there the futures Do are we, out. I was gonna say, are we gonna throw out some futures we like? Hell yeah! And of course, the the futures are up over at mybookie.ag. I being the homer that I am, in spite of the fact that they made a horrific draft pick at fifty three, drafting Jalen Hurts, ruining. <laughs> Ru- my my buddy Blake texted me and said this ruined his quarantine, and uh, I've listened to like six hours of people trying to rationalize or shit on this pick, and I still I still can't figure it out. We actually have a uh, a celebrity, uh, a uh, a former NFL quarterback scheduled to call in tomorrow. A former NFC East superstar quarterback scheduled to interview. I'd love to get his uh, take on that, Kramer. Uh, hopefully it doesn't flake, but the dude seems pretty reliable. 
even though they they wasted the number fifty three pick on Jalen Hurts, Jalen Rager, we already saw in the sim game I watched while you were giving me a haircut. We already saw Rager getting involved, scoring a touchdown. The Eagles at plus twenty five hundred. I I I really like that. And if you look at the bracket, which of course sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Madden has all the bracket and time. I mean the NFC East. The Eagles won it last year. I think they have a good, great chance to get out of the NFC East again, and that's how the bracket is being broken down. Where you're playing uh, the one is playing the four in the division, two playing the three, et cetera. So their first game against the Redskins, then they play the winner of the Giants, Cowboys. That's easy, and then they play the winner of the NFC West. Maybe it gets a little tougher with a, a 49ers, Seahawks, but I, I think their path here uh, to get down to the final four. Isn't that insane? And we uh, we have an article up here on sportsgamblingpodcast.com. <laughs> great. It, this is a new contributor, Jim Leahy. Uh, he wrote an article saying six tips for Madden simulation betting and how I cashed out six thousand dollars. <laughs> he went on. He went on an awesome tear. He even had some DJ madness. But one of the um, one of the things he said was like mobile quarterbacks, uh, Wentz, obviously a mobile quarterback. And then uh, another, <laughs> another, uh, another, a little tip I picked up uh, will Mormon again, contributor. He was, he did a, a list of like 20 sneaky, good uh, players in Madden that you wouldn't think were good, but are actually really good. Number one on his list was Alshon Jeffrey, who probably won't actually be on the Eagles, but for whatever reason, the SIM data, the Madden uh, loves him. So I, and I think he had a pretty good game. The, the one simulated game I watched against the giants and again, 25 to one, I'm all over that. I'll give you an uh, AFC one, but Kramer, Sean, who do, the who Eagles, do you like? of course have a team rating with this roster of an 81, just for those out there who, who kind of understand the rating scheme, this roster with the updates, I guess this guy is super into realism. Uh, and he essentially like every team is between like an 83 and a 75. It's pretty tightly coupled. So you know what that means, Sean, we're going to have upsets, baby. <laughs> and, the dogs and, will be barking. And Sean, I wanted to be prepared to talk about these type of things. So I knew you might, I knew you might come in with an, uh, Hey, Alshon Jeffrey, he could be a sleeper in the game. So I wanted to have the game up in front of me. And I, I, I do right now. And I'm gonna pull up the Eagles because I, I, Alshon is insanely good in this game. In the regular, yeah. in the regular, uh, he's still in the game. So I, I look to the Eagles. Uh, it, it, they also have Goodwin now. Uh, remember, they picked him up in the deal. Speedy. So. Well, and that's the other thing is because you know Alshon Jeffrey and Marquise Goodwin both injury problems, and <laughs> this is this is Madden. There are no injuries. Everyone's 100% healthy, uh, and at least until the game kicks off. For just for reference, some of the other uh, some of the favorites here uh, to win Madden Mayhem Saints are at plus four hundred. Chiefs plus four hundred. They got their ass kicked by the Packers in the preview game. Forty Niners plus six fifty. Ravens plus five hundred. Cowboys and and maybe the public money is already pouring in here, but the Cowboys are eight to one. Uh, I'm assuming they have Ceedee Lamb, so maybe that's part of uh, of the formula there, but. Huge difference between the Cowboys at eight to one and the Eagles twenty five to one. I, it feels like there's some value there. I would say by rating your top tier of teams, and these are all the eighty threes, are going to be Kansas City, Green Bay, Dallas, Baltimore, and San Francisco. The next tier after that, your eighty twos, New Orleans, 
Indianapolis, who, by the way, that that's a nice team, Seattle, mm. Pittsburgh. And then, then the next tier of what I would say is probably like contending teams is the 81 group, which is Minnesota and Philly, uh, the 80 group, Tennessee, Buffalo chargers. In fact, so look out for the chargers. Uh, they upset city over there. I would say that that's kind of like your pool of contenders. So if you look at those teams and you look at a, a price that pops out to you, obviously to me, the bills at 35 to one, they can, uh, they can very easily get out of their division. Now, of course, remember the Patriots, no Tom Brady, because we have the updated rosters. Patriots are only a 79. So I really mm. like the Buffalo bills at 35 to one just playing the game theory because guess what? Brian Hoyer, not scary, not enough to take down the K metric. Another team that I would point to just based on the fact that remember they have to get out of their division. It is this chargers team. They are a four seed in the game. They're rated an 80 granted. They have to take on the chiefs, but we just watched this chiefs team look vulnerable against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. So uh, you know what really cracks me up the most, Sean, is breaking down the CPU players like they're real. <laughs> but it I, really is. I I do lose myself because I feel like the same kind of uh, verbal crutches I use to kind of give analysis on players and make my case for picks. It it applies to Madden as well. You mentioned the Indianapolis Colts yeah. as as a highly rated team. Again, I, I'm a sucker for this Colts team. I, I think the CPU will love. Uh, having DeForest Buckner there, they had a great draft, so they added some talent there. Probably not uh, that low on uh, Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers comes in, stabilizes that team. Colts twenty-five to one to come out of the AFC, and and you're starting off with that wild. I mean, you know, the AFC South. Sure, the Titans were dominant, but I, I don't know if that game translates to Madden. Maybe Derrick Henry <laughs> just maybe he just goes off, but. The CPU Titans, they don't, they haven't been called out. They haven't like put Tennessee on their back. So the Colts at 25 to 1. And then one more uh, as far as like long shot um, future bet that I really like. And again, they, they're going to have to probably beat the Chiefs, but give me the Denver Broncos 50 to 1. Ooh. Maybe had, uh, I mean, they added uh, Laviscus Chenault and Jerry Judy. I feel like those are the guys that can really swing a Madden simulation if Chanel takes a punt return back. Well, and and in reality, and I think I missed a couple of teams, Atlanta 81, Tampa 82, New Orleans 82, all in that upper tier. But Oakland is an is actually an 81. I missed that you one. You mean too. you mean Las Vegas, right? La, I'm sorry, Las Vegas. Miswrote that on my sheet. Denver is a 79, but of course we know that home field matter advantage will matter. And and I think the big thing that I've noticed, kind of the correlation between uh, what you're going to hear in spreads, what you're going to see in the future prices, and what you're going to see matter in terms of driving the rating of these teams, it's all about the quarterback. And I think when you have when you look at Denver, uh, you look at uh, the the rookies, you look at Daniel Jones, the Giants, the weakness that these teams have is that quarterback rating is in that that seventy, that low to mid seventies range, and that in many cases, I think is really the difference between the good teams and the bad teams. Uh, I feel like John Madden here pointing out the obvious, but it, yeah. So to just to circle back, if I, if you're asking me for some long shots, I'm saying Buffalo, I'm saying Indy and I'm saying the chargers fit the bill for the absolute long shots. But if I'm, I'm penciling a team that I think has a legit shot to win 
again, we saw the chip on CPU Aaron Rodgers' shoulder, <laughs> and this is a team. They are rated eighty three. One, they are tied for the highest rating. They are fifteen to one. Period. Wow. Period. And and I think we saw the motivation that this dude has on his shoulders after will Jordan love get any PT. That's what I want to know. We'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to check in with the, uh, the CPU beat writers on that. Sean, are we ready to just talk about games? Yeah, Anything let's else do you it. Right here. Giants hundred to one seems a little <laughs> steep, seems, <laughs> seems offensive. Uh, yeah, no, I, I love these. I mean, for these futures, the mid range, I mean like Pittsburgh, 22 to one, I mean, I, I threw Eagles, Colts, and Broncos. Those are my those are my three. But I think if you're gonna go future, I wouldn't take anything. I mean, pack. You made a good case for the Packers at fifteen to one, but anything under uh, under that, I, I think it, you just stay away and take a couple long shots. Maybe one AFC, one NFC. All right, Sean. Let's get to it. Tipping off. I'm just kidding. Kicking off Thursday night. Football. We have a doubleheader, Sean. 8 p.m. on the East Coast, 5 p.m. on the West Coast. The Los Angeles Chargers. They head to Kansas City to take on the CPU Chiefs coming off that Super Bowl and more importantly, dud of a preview game. Sean, you wouldn't believe it. The Chiefs are laying 10 and a half, minus 600 on the money line. Chargers are plus 325, 50 and a half. Is the total? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll have to go. I'm gonna. I'll. I'll go. Uh, I'll start this off, Kramer. Give me the Chargers plus ten and a half. That Kansas City Chiefs defense. It was just non-existent. I, I think the Chargers pretty solid draft. Uh, I'm. A, I'm a Herbert fan. We'll see what. What is he? Do you have his rating in front of you? If not, it's no big deal. But. I think 10 and a half, the way this Kansas City Chiefs defense has been playing in Madden, and we even saw in the playoffs, they got down big uh a number of times. 71. I, yeah. So I, I think it's tough for um teams to come back from huge deficits in Madden. And just a theory of mine, it doesn't <laughs> seem like they it doesn't seem like they understand the hurry up offense as much as they should. I, I don't think they've quite figured out the clock management, or maybe it's just recency bias where the Kansas city chiefs were bad in that preview <laughs> game with their clock managing. And maybe it's that realistic. Cause of course you have Andy Reed. I'll take the chargers plus 10 and a half. I mean, that defense uh, could be legit. Yep. I mean, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, although again, the, the chargers biggest problem usually is guys not staying healthy, not an issue here in Madden mayhem. So 10 and a half feels way too high. Uh, it certainly is a big spread considering the Delta here of 83 to 80. It does feel a little bit uh, that we're not talking about a purely linear scale here in the ratings, Sean, the further, <laughs> uh, the way, the way that I've watched these games, I, I kind of drew a baseline right in that 70. I would say an average team is probably rated around 79. And the further you get away from a 79, the, 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 the more drastic it becomes. I will say again, the quarterback is such a critical position while I, I don't love, are, are we just straight up going? Uh, are we doing draft style where you pick one? I pick one. So I'll sure. get priority on the next one. Snake draft. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, I, I don't love the fact that I'm getting the chiefs here minus 10 and a half, but they just got their ass kicked on national television, Sean, <laughs> and they're going to come out. And again, massive discrepancy in the quarterback position. 
Will the Chargers defense be enough? We'll see. I, I will point out, you mentioned it. I, I think we fully anticipate to see some weirdness around clock management, especially with Andy Reid's CPU body in there. Ooh. <laughs> very, very svelte. Uh, but I, I think all in all, uh, the Chiefs too much offense. If the Chargers fall behind, it could be trouble here. Next up, Thursday night, 10 p.m. on the East Coast, 7 p.m. on the West Coast. We head to CPU Mile High. Where John Gruden and the Las Vegas Raiders. I apologize for listing them as the Oakland Raiders. Are have How they dare you. have they officially moved to Las Vegas though? Like uh, well, <laughs> they are. They, there was a big thing where the NFL officially changed them to the Las Vegas Raiders. But again, with this whole COVID nineteen bullshit, I, I don't know if the stadium actually opens. Uh, maybe they play some games at Sam Boyd uh, Stadium out there. We'll see what happens. But yes, they are the Las Vegas Raiders, Kramer. The Las Vegas Raiders head to CPU Mile High to take on the Denver Broncos, who have properly armed Mr. Drew Locke. Minus four and a half for the Raiders on the road here, Sean. Minus 210 on the money line. Plus 145 is the money line uh, for the Broncos. 45 and a half is the total. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't love I don't love either side of this. And, and no. the Raiders, the Raiders are 81 versus the Broncos 79. And I know you like the future. So I'm going to put you in a bad spot. I'm going to take the Denver oh, Broncos no. catching the points at home here. And I'm going to offer you a trade to give me the chargers. But, uh, uh, I would say Denver. I, I like the opportunity they have at home. I like the fact that they have Melvin Gordon, um, Melvin Gordon and uh, our guy, Philip Lindsay. In the backfield, uh, once again, though, I think Locke's low rating could be a scary proposition. All of that being said, they are at home. Too much disrespect here, and it's an early season game. We've seen, we've <laughs> seen the CPU Broncos take advantage of that elevation. We're not sure they're not going to be conditioned. The shortened off season, no OTAs, no team activities. All, All right, right. I, I'll make a case here for the Oakland Raider, Raiders. Oh, sorry. I mean, you, you the <laughs> for the Vegas Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders, LVR baby, um, and I think Henry Ruggs. Mm, if uh, if there quick. is a yeah, and I would even look to uh, Henry Ruggs' first touchdown. Uh, maybe maybe Derek Carr finally decides to throw the ball downfield. I think that could be big. I, I know they got uh, that that cornerback early. They drafted in the first round as well. Uh, some people said it was a bit of a reach, but I think the Drew Lock turnovers are what uh, could really carry this Las Vegas Raiders team. And we forgot about Josh Jacobs. Jacobs is a freaking handful coming out of the backfield. Uh, so you throw rugs on the outside there, that outside speed that really opens things underneath. So yeah, give me give me Oakland minus four and a half. The road chalk there. You you will see. Uh, you you will see some speed from this Raider, and you will see the star. I should point out on Josh Jacobs because, you know, that mm. guy really really solid. Pit. I mean, didn't have any part in hard knocks, and he still just came through in a big big way. Uh, I, what I was doing while you were doing that, Sean, because I do think Rugs is one of the high, the rookies we got to highlight, and I think any team that drafted a skill position is going to have a nicer upgrade. Because we see here, and and while uh, you know Nelson Aguilar is staring at me in the Raiders depth <laughs> chart right now, not not a good thing. But Rugs, 
is sitting there rated a 77 with 98 speed. That could be a problem. That's so, going to create some big plays. And again, probably we'll see what they price the market at over at my bookie.ag promo code SGP. But uh, yeah, I mean, I could see you getting 12 to 1, 15 to 1 on Rager first touchdown. But again, my theory, and I again I haven't I haven't watched enough of these games with point spreads to have outcomes. But my theory is that the quarterback position is gonna matter. And and I used that argument to my favor uh in the first game. I didn't in the second game. So let's go. Friday, we move over to the NFC South, Sean, where Tom Brady, Tampa, Tampa Bay Brady, and the Bucks <laughs> head to Atlanta. Tampa take, Bray. Tampa Bray to take on the, the CPU Falcons, where the Falcons are seven point home dogs, plus two twenty five on the money line. Bucks minus four hundred fifty one and a half is the total. Sean. Oh, all right. What do I do here? I'll t- uh, seven point home dog division game. Are you kidding me? Give me the Atlanta Falcons plus seven. I mean. Obviously, I'm worried about uh, Tampa's receiving weapons, but they still have a decent number of holes there on defense. And you get Matty Ice at home, Julio Jones. Who's guarding Julio Jones on this Bucks team? I mean, granted, the Bucks were put in a lot of bad situations because of Jameis's turnovers, but still, that defensive backfield has a bunch of holes. And I, I love the Werps pickup, but seven-point road favorite is just comical here. I think they're expecting a lot of public action, and that's why this number is so high. I normally don't like betting the Falcons, but at plus seven as a home dog, I'm all over it. And, and don't forget, Todd Gurley, while his rating has been adjusted nicely because he's not the same player he was, he is still on this team. I think probably a wise pick to take the points here, but are you kidding me, Sean? You're going to go against the most <laughs> exciting team in all of simulations, the CPU Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Gronkowski, come no, on, I Sean. I, I know, I know. Gronk. I'll be getting a text message from my boy Gronk saying, "Dude, what do you?" After the episode drops, just yelling at me for going against him and uh, Tampa Bray. But yeah, I'll go. I, I, dude, seven point home dog division game. Are you kidding me? With this Atlanta team being rated as high as they are, Gronk is rated a ninety-one. I, I, I give me whoa, the, Tom Brady. Get <laughs> Did they? I mean, he's lost a ton of weight. I'm sure he's packing it on in completely uh, compliant fashion, but uh, 91 still. And, well, and again, uh, Gronk's biggest issue is injuries, and they don't exist coming into this game. So, not true. Uh, huge value there. Th- they're all healthy coming into the game, but there is a chance we see That's an injury true. in the game, unlike basketball. Sean, the nightcap for the NFC South day, Friday, 10 p.m. on the East Coast, 7 p.m. on the West Coast, Carolina. Led by the Butler, Sean. They're mm. heading to New Orleans to take on Jameis Winston and the new look Saints. The Saints are 13 and a half point favorites, minus 750 on the money line, 400 for the Panthers, 52 and a half is the total. Should have pointed this out. Tampa Bay in 82, Atlanta in 81, Carolina a 77, New Orleans in 82. One of the bigger discrepancies we'll see all first round. Yet we have Christian McCaffrey, who is just absolutely electric in his CPU form. Sean, 
Yeah. Well, I was giving you, uh, I was giving you, I thought you had first dibs on uh, oh, what you wanted so, to pick here. Well, then if I, if I'm getting first dibs, I'm, I'm going to take the points. I'm going to yeah. take the points with how Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he, he's shown me uh, how to find the back door before Sean. And uh, <laughs> why would I possibly want to go against my man, Teddy Bridgewater, who knows the playbook CPU. Teddy Bridgewater is in a revenge spot here knows what the saints are going to be doing. And Oh, by the way, just in time for Madden mayhem, the CPU saints sign known degenerate Jameis Winston to completely (laughs) undo their locker room. Yeah. Give me the Panthers and the points. Yeah, I'm going. Uh, I'm going Saints here because we're taking the opposite. But I, I think the case for the Saints is a pretty easy one, and it's that uh, Michael Thomas. I mean, yeah. you saw what Devontae Adams did in that in that preview game. The number one receiver had three touchdowns, and I wouldn't be surprised if this Saints team just picks apart this Carolina Panthers defense and, and really lights it up. I, I think they uh, have a chance to be the highest scoring team. Uh, of this first round. And certainly the spread reflects it a little high at 13 and a half, but they're coming off a bad loss themselves. They lost to Kirk cousins at home (laughs) in a big spot. That is embarrassing. Drew Brees. They signed two quarterbacks. Can we talk about that? How, I mean, I haven't looked at all the cap numbers, but how do they have a Taysom Hill deal? That's like not cheap. Drew Brees and Jameis Winston. There's, they're spending like 60 million on the quarterback position from, from alone. What, I understand, what, what the hell are they doing? The Taysom Hill deal was some sort of caption shenanigans, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, there's got to be some something I, I mean, going look, crazy it, there, but more importantly, how does no one else offer Jameis Winston 3 and a half million dollars or whatever he got? Yeah. Insane. Well, how are the Patriots not rolling out J- How if you're the Patriots, how do you not sign Cam Newton and Jameis Winston? For three and a half million dollars each. If you're the Eagles, instead <laughs> of wasting the fifty-third pick on Jalen Hurts, sign Jameis Winston. Get that man baptized. You're telling me he couldn't use a little bit of the Lord, a little bit of the you know the God group uh, that Wentz has going. I'd much rather take Jameis Winston three and a half million dollars and the fifty-third overall pick than some fucking Jalen Hurts. All right, next game, Kramer. <laughs> Saturday, May 2nd, 8 p.m. on the East Coast, 5 p.m. on the West Coast. We have the AFC East opening game. The Dolphins, who are rated a whopping 76, Sean, one of the lowest rated teams in the game. Even with Tua, they head to New England to take on the Patriots, who are only rated a 79, Sean. Mm. The Patriots only a four point favorite, minus one ninety five on the money line, plus one forty for the Dolphins. Forty four and a half the total. Two is in. Hoyer's in. Your pick. Wait, Hoyer's Hoyer's starting for the Patriots. Hoyer is the starter over Stidham. Uh, are, are we? We do we have to make a call here? Oh no! I, I just it sounded like Stidham was more the uh, had more the inside track on starting, but. Uh, nevertheless, I'll I go. didn't want to. I didn't want to adjust anything here because Hoyer is uh, he outrates Stidham a whopping yeah, sixty-three to sixty. So neither <laughs> quarterback any good. Could be an ugly one here. I'll take Miami plus four. My reasoning here is, uh, you know, like uh, like pointed as as pointed out over at sportsgamblingpodcast.com uh, by a new contributor 
uh, Jim Leahy, uh, you know, the mobile quarterbacks, you got to lean mobile quarterback to, I think his running ability is athleticism. They probably haven't fully factored in the hip injury. Uh, and, <laughs> and if he does get hurt in game enter Ryan Fitz magic, this team isn't afraid to go into new England and win. I mean, I mean, you could argue that that was the end of their dynasty right there. When the dolphins drove down to knock them out of the two seed. I think Miami has the confidence you need to win in Foxborough. Give me Miami plus four. Feels like a field goal game. Happily going to take four points. Yeah. I'm, all right. M- remember, Josh Rosen also still on the roster. He could get some mm. some some CPU action. So you're telling me I only got to lay four points with Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots at night <laughs> in Gillette. Come on, minus four. Yeah, I I have a feeling um, the Patriots will will win this game because of coaching, special teams, and defense. Sean. Lockdown defense. The nightcap, 10 p.m. on the East Coast, 7 p.m. on the West Coast. The New York Jets head to Buffalo to take on Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and the Buffalo Bills. Bills are minus six and a half, minus three fifty on the money line. Jets plus two hundred forty-three and a half is the total. The lowest total of the first weekend uh, as far as the opening numbers, Sean. Oh boy. Uh you you got your first pick. I'm gonna take my second pick, and that is this Buffalo Bills team. I am all in on these guys. Uh the ratings, of course, Buffalo an 80, the Jets a 77. I love that I don't have to lay seven. And I just this team just feels littered with talent. If Josh Allen can just get it done, and as you've been pointing out to me the entire day, the mobile quarterback, Josh Allen. Uh, I've even watched in Sims him not slide. A lot of quarterbacks are very slide happy in this game. Not Josh <laughs> Allen. Uh, he's going for the going for glory. He sees that they have a nice path for victory here. He knows that they're thirty-five to one because the the CPU is a neural net processor, as Colby likes to say. I, I love this spot here. I'm going. Uh, I'm on the Jets here. I'm glad you picked the uh, Bills. Kramer, love this Jets team getting six and a half. Uh, we forget Sam Darnold was seven and six as a starter last year. Kind of got overlooked. Uh, I don't think they have mono factored into Madden, so I, mm, I don't okay. expect him to. Maybe maybe it flares up in the second half, and then we're in trouble. But I think he keeps them in that game. I, I love the addition of Perriman. Um Makai Becton, and I know you think he's going to be a bust, but a giant dude like that, that'll give Darnold some time to make some passes downfield. I'd love to see what uh, Denzel Mims does in this game. The Baylor kid, uh, second round pick for the Jets. So I think those uh, additions could be helpful. And again, I think this could be kind of an ugly game. Turnovers will be the difference. If uh, Allen doesn't turn the ball over, I think the Bills maybe win, but. I still, I still think he's going to turn it over enough to keep the cover in place. So give me the Jets plus six and a half. I like it. Uh, I think that that felt like the first one that we were organically on the different side of. Uh, Sean, which is yes. a, n- never a good sign for anyone's picks when we're agreeing wholeheartedly. Last <laughs> night of week one of Madden Mayhem, Sunday, eight p.m. on the East Coast, five p.m. on the West Coast. The Detroit Lions they travel to Green Bay to take on. The Packers. Who will start? Will it be Rodgers? Will it be Love? 
Packers are laying eight and a half minus four fifty on the money line. Detroit is plus two fifty. Forty seven and a half is the total. The rating seventy eight for Detroit. Green Bay eighty three. Pretty wide discrepancy here, Sean. You get the first pick. Tell me you're going to go with your boy toy. Go pack go. Yeah, you got to take Green Bay here. Good tease opportunity, Kramer at a minus eight and a half. I just don't think this Lions defense can slow the Packers down, especially at home. And you know, granted, they didn't really uh, help them that out, help them out that much with the draft. But we saw in the preview game, they don't need that much help. I mean, you know, uh, Lazard ha- had a good game. Jimmy Graham was getting involved. Devonte Adams went off. Aaron Jones uh, ran the ball pretty well there for a while. So Green Bay is going to light up the scoreboard. And I mean, they got, they beat the, they won the turnover battle against the chiefs. I think they can do that again against the uh, Detroit lions. So yeah, Green Bay minus minus eight and a half all day. Yeah. Here, here's the thing with Detroit, when it comes to playing the Packers, they know how to cover a spread. They know how to lose a close game. You look (laughs) over the last couple of years, 20. I mean, the, the hail Mary happened against Detroit. Let, let's talk about that. I think if you look back through their last five matchups, the lions would have covered every single one. I believe I'm using Wikipedia as a source right now. I'm Pro try- football reference. I, I really thought you were going to take Detroit. Uh, really? so I was prepared. Yeah. I just figured you were dog happy this you're a new man. Uh, <laughs> No, I, 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 I mean, I got a lot of dogs, a lot of good dogs, even a couple big dogs. But I'm not going against Green Bay minus eight and a half. That's right. We saw it. We saw it in that preview game for DJ and Madness. Don't let the preview game steer you in different directions. You made a great case yep. for Green Bay at fifteen to one to win it all. Yeah. Uh, I think they're just gonna destroy Detroit, and they're gonna get out of their division in pretty good shape. Green Bay wins by a touchdown. Let's go. No way. Chicago nightcap, 10 PM East coast, 7 PM on the West coast, Chicago heads to Minnesota to take on the CPU Vikings in the spaceship. Sean Vikings minus six and a half minus three fifty on the money line plus 200 for the bears. 45 and a half is the total a little bit lower totals in the AFC East and NFC North as compared to the, uh, the other divisions we covered, Sean, it's my pick here. The rating discrepancy: Vikings eighty-one, Chicago seventy-nine. Again, I, I think you got to lay a touchdown here. Mitchell Trubisky, think he's going to be named the starter. I think, he, <laughs> I think he's the starter. I, I actually haven't looked, uh, but I, I believe he has a higher rating. So I, I'm just not betting. Wait a second. Scratch that, Sean. It's Kirk Cousins in prime time. Give me the Bears. <laughs> Oh man. Well, as, as pointed out another in that, uh, in that six tips for uh, Madden simulation caching, um, uh, Jim points out or sorry. Uh, yeah. Jim points out that uh, Mitch Trubisky is like more like Mitch Vick. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I guess how elusive he is uh, in this game. So you're going with the bears there. I'll, I'll ride. I'll ride with the Minnesota Vikings. I'll, I'll go with the I'll go with my boy Zimmer. I don't know if they, they worked in some virtual dip uh, for him to be working on, <laughs> on the sideline there. That'd be pretty badass. but uh, the Vikings at home, 
This is actually low pressure game since it is simulated. Uh, the Kirk Cousins CPU won't know <laughs> that it won't know it's prime time and won't completely blow this up. Uh, yeah, I like Thielen. Um, you know, they brought in uh, Justin Jefferson, who I think is probably a good fit for them in Minnesota. And you're going against Mitch Trubisky. Like I, I know, I just made a case that he could he could uh, scramble all over the place, but. When you go into the spaceship, things get wonky and uh, crowd noise could be an issue. So yeah, give me Minnesota Vikings here minus six and a half at home. Oh, how'd that feel, Sean? It felt, felt gross. I definitely, I definitely like the Bears better, but there's a, there's a case to be made for the Vikings, so I'll, I'll ride with it. More of a macro question: How'd that feel picking football games? Oh, it felt awesome. Felt great. Felt awesome. Did we do enough games to to do a lock dog tease? Yep, let's of do it, Kramer. We did. Eight games? Come on. Happy it's been a while since we've heard that. Do you want to go first or shall I? I'll let you go first, Kramer. Uh all right. Well let let's uh let's start with with a certainty. Man, I you know, I probably would lock up the Chargers, in all honesty. I that's that's the one I, I really like. But if you're uh I gotta lock up one of the games I took. Let's let's do it. I, I hate to do this, but let's lock up Tom Brady and the uh, and the Bucks against this Falcons team. I I, I think this offense is going to be off the charts. We're going to be talking about the Bucks as a tournament contender after this game. And, and Sean, what, that what was that price on the Bucks? Oh, the Bucks oh, were low. I think they were like one. eight to one. Eight it's- to one for a reason. They're not going out in the first weekend. Give me the Bucks minus seven for my dog. There's some juicy ones here, and, and the price on Denver probably isn't enough for Sean to to green light that as a dog. Are you going to green light that? It's four and a half. It's plus one forty five. Yeah, that's fine. You know what, Christian McCaffrey, he's rated ninety nine. Let's go big for the for the Djans. Carolina wow. four to one. And my last, uh, my last spot, the tease, Sean. We're gonna tease DJ Matt or Madden Mayhem. So go screw yourself. Chiefs minus four and a half. Bills minus a half. And boy, you know, I'm on Detroit plus eight and a half, but Green Bay minus two and a half sure looks good in that tease. All right, for me. I'll take that. It's the first game, but Chargers getting ten and a half. Are you kidding me? That's way too high with this Kansas City defense. What we've seen out of them so far. Lock that up for my dog, Sammy D. Give me the Jets plus two hundred against the Buffalo Bills. And for my T's, give me the Vikings down to a half. That's Green smart. B- Green Bay down to two and a half. And. Uh, I'll also throw in Atlanta plus 13 and a half that I, I, I think, th- or sorry, just 13. That's I think that that number is a little too high to begin with. So Atlanta plus 13 green Bay minus two and a half in Minnesota minus a half. Sean, number one yes. thing you're looking forward to uh, getting really drunk and doing uh, play by play. Always a, always a dream. Sean, we actually I j- forgot. I, I would have uh, in the Steve Lavin interview, which we're about to hear. I should have asked him, you know, one broadcaster to another for some advice on play by play, but we didn't, we didn't get to that covered a lot of ground. Did not get to that. What are you most excited for Kramer? 
Oh, well, I mean, I do have two handles of whiskey come from of Jameson coming from Costco. For some reason, Jameson's still not sponsoring the goddamn yes. podcast. Uh, pay attention, Jameson. Uh, and again, well, I, let me finish my goddamn sentence, Sean. I was about to tell you what I'm excited for. I'm excited for football. You know, we we just listened to Roger Goodell and and NFL Network heads and and all these people for the better part of three days talk about how important it is to do this together, Sean, to to recover as a country, as a unit, to to rise up. And you know, I I think we we know at least a couple people have risen up over here at the sports gambling podcast and brought you goddamn football again. So you're welcome. I love that. I have an excuse to drink whiskey. I love that. I have an excuse to go out into the garage and watch football and bet. And ah, I, you know, I feel it. I feel that, 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 that it's that feeling in your chest. Uh, when you got, when the dice are in the air shot, uh, that's what I need. I need that. I'm a junkie. Oh yeah. And make sure you uh, get your bracket in sports gambling podcast.com slash Madden, my G promo code S G P for that sweet deposit bonus. Before we uh, head over to Steve Lavin, of course, make sure you check out ACE per head. That's right. ACE per head. They're offering uh, their paper head services. They're even getting involved in the SIM game. Perfect time to start your own sports book. Get ahead of the rush. Which will be uh, once sports open up. UFC is happening. I'm sure we'll be doing a UFC podcast next week. It looks like it's actually going to happen this time. So, perfect time to start booking some UFC action. And again, uh, golf's coming up, uh, basketball, hopefully right around the corner. And if you sign up over at aceperhead.com slash SGP, get up to six weeks free. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Top notch customer support 24 7. Some of the sharpest lines in the industry. Aceperhead.com slash SGP. Stop trying to beat the bookie and become a bookie. Joining us on the line, former head basketball coach at UCLA and St. John's, currently college basketball analyst for Fox Sports, CBS, and Turner, Steve Lavin. Coach Lavin, how's it going, man? Terrific. Great to be with you guys. Yeah, appreciate you calling in. How you, how you uh, making do right now with the quarantine? What does a what does a college basketball analyst and former coach get into uh, when you're locked down like this? Well, number one, I'm sure, like you guys, just making sure that we adhere to the guidelines and stay up to date. You know, I watch the news, uh, CNN during the day and early evening, and then switch to Netflix for a little entertainment. Uh, in the later part of the evenings. And um, there's some paths, some areas uh, here in Northern California where uh, you can get out and it's not frequented, you know, by uh, crowds. And so there's an opportunity to get a little fresh air, a little movement. Um, But for the most part, uh, we just adhere to the guidelines and stay home, stay safe and uh, stay up to date and um, definitely change of pace. You know, things slow down and uh, it's a, time for reflection um, and also gratitude uh, for the people on the front lines, just the courage uh, that they demonstrate on a daily basis and um, grateful to have so many warriors uh, that are out there trying to save lives and draw some inspiration from that. For sure. Do you, uh, when you're not watching Netflix, do you ever have the urge to throw on an old game that you coach, maybe an old, uh, you know, a nice March madness win. Do you ever go back and watch old tape? Well, it's interesting. You mentioned that, you know, during these last four or five weeks, um, I've had 
some time to open up boxes. Um, in particular, there's some from my mother and father um, who passed away, um, you know, over this last uh, decade, my mother in 2018 and my father in 2013. And this has been the first time I've been able to open up uh, some of the boxes and the memorabilia and clippings and uh, game tickets uh, that they had saved. And so that's really been uh, an interesting experience going all the way back to high school and college uh, as a player, but then through the Purdue years, the UCLA years, the broadcasting seasons, and uh, of course, St. John's as well. Wait, wait, um, so your father coached too, uh, right? My father was actually an English literature, philosophy, poetry teacher and a writer. He was an educator for 47 years um, at every level. Sir Francis Drake High School, uh, College of Marin here in Northern California, Dominican College, uh, Cal Berkeley, UC Berkeley, um, San Francisco State as well. And he was an author. He wrote books on writing and composition. Uh, but he played basketball at St. Ignatius High School uh, here in San Francisco and also the University of San Francisco. But uh, he was an intellect and, and really interested in ideas and uh, was influenced by the Jesuits uh, from his education uh, growing up a Catholic in San Francisco. Um, but I went another route and, and decided to kind of pursue teaching uh, through coaching, through basketball. Well, and those San Francisco basketball teams, just to paint it to our audience, I think those San Francisco basketball teams were really good back then, right? Yeah, they were kind of the, you know, Gonzaga before Gonzaga. Uh, the University of San Francisco, obviously with Bill Russell and Casey Jones, back-to-back yeah. national championships, uh, 60 straight wins Whew. under Phil Wolpert when Russell and Casey Jones were there. And then even into the 60s and 70s, players like Phil Smith, Kevin Rastani, Eric Fernston, um, you know, just a number of, of Bill Cartwright. Wow, yeah. Of course. More, there, more contemporary, but uh, Winford Boynes was a player out of New Jersey. So, yeah, San Francisco in the West uh, really had it rolling for years. And then Coach Woods Bruins, starting in 1964-5, had their dominant, you know, yeah. 12-year run, really. It was like 63-64 through 1975 when Coach Wood retired. But people forget uh, Coach Wood didn't, didn't win his first uh, national championship until he was 53 years old. Uh, he had been at UCLA for 15 seasons and at that point, you know, Cal Berkeley under Pete Newell was having success. The University of San Francisco was having success uh, first under Pete Newell and later under Phil Wolpert. Uh, but then once Coach Wooden got it going from 63, 64 through 1975, uh, there was no looking back, no more dominant program in the history of basketball. And Coach Wooden, much like yourself, Purdue background, then UCLA, correct? Yeah, so Boilermaker, uh, you know, he was from Martinsville, Indiana. And he played for Piggy Lambert uh, at Purdue from 1928 to 32. Uh, he was a three-time All-American. Of course, he's in the Hall of Fame, both as a player uh, and also a coach. He's one of a handful to have achieved that. And uh, after Purdue, uh, he started his teaching career at Dayton uh, High School in Kentucky and then South Bend Central High School in Indiana. Uh, he, he was in the service uh, with the Navy and, um, no. and Indiana State was division two when coach Wooden was there as a head coach. And then he came out to UCLA and uh, had that 27 year run, uh, but really kind of worked his craft. And, and again, all those different stops as an English teacher coach at Dayton high school, in Kentucky, uh, as well as South Bend. 
you talk uh, Central to- High School in Indiana and in Indiana State. He was he was mastering his craft. It, it took him time. All time uh, great coach for sure. You talk about your transition from teaching into coaching. I uh, I heard an interview where Kevin Bacon he credited you as uh, helping him kind of learn how to play basketball or play basketball better for the movie The Air Up There. Well, is that is that true? And what was that like coaching up uh, Kevin Bacon? Uh, that was such an interesting experience. I was an assistant coach at the time. I was at UCLA twelve years total, five as an assistant, seven as a head coach. And uh, when you're working your way up the ranks, uh, you got to be crafty. You got to have some hustle in your game. And so I worked kids out, uh, you know, in the off season, um, I traveled and spoke at basketball camps. Uh, our family started a basketball camp as well. I traveled some uh, to Asia to work with, um, you know, various teams. Uh, Samsung Electronics had a basketball team. I worked with them in Korea, uh, the Japanese Basketball Association as well, and uh, even had a stop in Hong Kong and China. So, um, but in the spirit, in the vein of, of looking for ways to try and generate some dollars uh, so you could survive in Southern California and be able to pay the rent and have some food in the refrigerator, uh, one of the opportunities was uh, working with Kevin Bacon on that film air up there. And he had just come off, if I'm not mistaken, uh, winning an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, A Few Good Men. Yeah. Uh, the movie with Jack Nicholson and Classic. Tom Cruise and company. So uh, he was a gentleman and enjoyed the time spent with him and was just trying to work on the basics like you would with anyone that's picking up a new sport. Uh, so footwork and jump stops and body balance and uh, right hand and left hand layups and uh, working on his form in terms of, you know, his shooting technique, his shooting mechanics. How, and, how was, uh, he was a quick learner. A quick how was learner, Kevin? Uh, study and, so, sorry, Dan. How was Kevin Bacon at a left-handed layup? You know, um, he needed some reps. So <laughs> um, Did you ever, what I love was his attitude. You know, he, he really uh, took it seriously. He wanted to get better and uh, really speaks to the way he approached his craft as an actor. And so not surprising uh, that he's had the career uh, that he's had, because I think that's the way he approaches everything, trying to refine and elevate and improve upon and also dropping into that role. Uh, yeah. Wanted to know what it was like to be an assistant coach. And then eventually he became a head coach in the film. I think that's how it finishes. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. And, and I always had that um, kind of thought when it comes, especially to college sports and primarily to college sports, what's the percentage breakdown of time spent coming up with game plans and actually coaching the kids. And then your percentage time spent recruiting, because it almost seems like recruiting these kids and getting them to your program is another full-time job in and of itself. What's the split when you were coaching and, and what is it like now? You know, I'd say it really is dependent upon the year. For instance, if you know your roster has balance in each class, uh, then it's a bit more balanced uh, in terms of the amount of time spent on recruiting. I had a unique situation at St. John's where I inherited a program uh, that had 10 or 11 seniors. And so after our first season, uh, we didn't have one player going into year number two with a single minute of division one experience. The only player we had was Malik stiff, uh, who was a returning player from that first season uh, that I coached at St. John's, but he transferred uh, at the Christmas break uh, between semesters. And so um, in that case, you know, we had 13 scholarships 
And uh, I think we signed six or seven players in the first recruiting class uh, that included, you know, D'Angelo Harrison, Phil Green, uh, Sir Dominic Pointer, uh, God's Gift, um, Meridine Lindsay, um, among some others, Car Sampson. Um, and then we had to come right back, I think, with another five players in the next recruiting class. Uh, and then those, those players, when they were juniors and seniors, broke through for another NCAA tournament, my final season at St. John's. So in those first two years uh, at St. John's, I'd say 65 to 70% of my time uh, was spent on recruiting uh, because of the necessity, the heavy lift. And uh, it ended up being the youngest team in school history at St. John's. Uh, we had a couple junior college players, but of course they hadn't played a minute of division one basketball. And so that was kind of an anomaly. It probably hasn't happened in the history of basketball. It'd be like taking over. Right. Um, and they didn't have the grad yeah. transfer then, right? We didn't have the grad transfers. No, we had a couple players that did transfer in Max Hooper who transferred from Harvard and sat out and uh, played a couple of years for us before transferring as a grad transfer um, to Oakland university. Uh, where he had a nice finish to his career. And now Max is working with the LA Lakers. You know, before this, this coronavirus hit, I know the NCAA was going to vote on this transfer rule where you could transfer without sitting out a year at any time. I think it's going to happen inevitably. How do you feel about that? I think like you said, inevitably uh, evolution, you know, how we adjust and adapt. um, That's one of the wonderful things about sport in its purest form is a metaphor for life. And there are a number of uh, virtues, skills, and abilities, aptitudes that we can develop uh, through our participation in sport, and yet they can sustain us um, beyond sport, beyond our playing career for the rest of our lives. And so uh, you just have to adjust. I think um, it was something that was inevitable, um, like so many of the changes that were seen. The amateur model uh, for decades uh, didn't change or adapt or evolve. Uh, at the necessary pace. And then when you don't have evolution, eventually you have a revolution. And that's not just with the NCAA. That's not just with our country, but the entire world and the history of this world. Uh, It's all about evolving and changing, whether it's technology, the information age, uh, the three point line in basketball, or now these transfer rules. And so as a coach, what you try and do is set a good example for your players and uh, be able to adjust to the trends and uh, be able to adjust to circumstances you're dealing with. Well, well, you talk, you talk about adjusting and you've, you've done that throughout your career coaching in like the heartland, the middle of the country and on each coast in the biggest cities, which, which style, like which stylistically, which campus do you like the most? Which environment do you like the most? Well, it's a great question. I mean, I think the way I'm wired, um, the way I was raised is to be grateful. Um, you know, we're born and we have our first breath and, um, you know, eventually, uh, we have our last breath and we pass away and everything in between is an opportunity to be grateful for the gift of the present. And so when I was hired at Purdue in the big 10 conference, um, as a graduate assistant coach, being able to learn from Gene Cady. And at the time, those were the golden years of the big 10. You had Lou Henson at Illinois, Judd Heathcote at Michigan state, Bobby Knight, at Indiana, Bill Foster just come over from Duke was at Northwestern, Tom Davis at Iowa, uh, just to name a few. And uh, so I was uh, happy at Purdue uh, learning from the best uh, in the business, taking notes as an apprentice, uh, and then being at UCLA 12 years, learning from John Wooden, uh, Coach Herrick as well. 
uh, who brought me to UCLA and that Boilermaker tie with uh, Coach Wooden was one of the things that was very helpful in eventually becoming the head coach. Uh, first, I was the interim coach at UCLA and became the permanent head coach for seven years. And without Coach Wooden and that tie back to Purdue and the Big Ten and the state of Indiana, I never become uh, a rookie 32-year-old coach. But uh, New York City, energy, uh, empire state of mind is no joke. Uh, it's not just the lyrics and uh, in a song, but uh, it's palpable. Uh, Madison Square Garden, uh, the energy, uh, people in New York love basketball, appreciate good basketball, whether it's give and go, pick and roll, or backdoor cut, or playing good defense and rotating to take a charge. Uh, they'll get out of their seats and show their appreciation in the garden. If you're hustling, got some floor burns, you're getting after it. Uh, so I love New York, the culture, the diversity, the ethnicity, uh, the energy of that city, the architecture uh, is lights out. So I basically... You know, if I'm coaching basketball, which is a passion, something I love to do, I enjoy uh, wherever I'm coaching. So uh, each of the stops for different reasons were really special. You say it's a, it's a passion uh, coaching basketball. What do you think has to happen to get you back out of school, uh, coaching up again? You know, it's really about a good fit. You know, I was at ESPN ABC uh, for seven years between coaching stops, uh, UCLA and St. John's. And um, at one point I thought broadcasting might be what takes me to the finish line professionally. Uh, but then St. John's came knocking and the garden, the big East, New York city, uh, yeah. great recruiting base, uh, history, tradition, um, as good as it gets. And that's what brought me back. So it's really about a good fit in terms of the people, uh, you know, what their vision, uh, the mission statement, uh, the way they view the basketball program and its role on a campus. Uh, if I'm in alignment, you know, with the leadership of the university, uh, that makes a good marriage. And so uh, it really is about fit, you know, just like uh, any aspect of life, you want to find out where you can add value and, uh, and be supported in a way that you can be successful. And so if that came along, I'd be open to return to coaching, but if broadcasting takes me to the finish line, I'm also going to be grateful for that opportunity because I'm enjoying the work at Fox sports and being able to cover the NCAA tournament uh, with CBS and Turner uh, come March. Yeah. Uh, when, hey, when you mentioned uh, you were, when you were at Purdue with Gene Katie, legendary coach, you know, your rivals were, were the Hoosiers and Bobby Knight. How was that? I mean, that's, that's gotta be, you're going up against at, at the time, you know, Bobby Knight was the, uh, you know, the coach that couldn't be stopped in a way. Um, how was that experience? You know, that was big 10 basketball at its best uh, during that era. I think the golden years of the big 10 were those, you know, mid eighties uh, through the mid nineties because of those coaches uh, that we talked about. And those personalities were at their respective universities uh, for decades. Uh, it was a different era. Uh, we don't see that as often. There's, you know, Mike Krzyzewski, Jim Bayheim, Jim Calhoun, Lute Olson, you know, coaches that were at their universities for 20, 25 years. Jay right now, I think is moving up towards 18 seasons with Villanova. Uh, Tom Izzo's had the great run taking the baton from Judd Heathcote. And those two uh, really have been at Michigan state for what's coming up on 40 plus years, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, being in the big 10 during that golden era, watching the personalities of a Bob Knight and a Gene Katie uh, go at it. Uh, the fans in the big 10 and in the state of Indiana are as good as it gets uh, rabid fans that have an appreciation for the history Love it. of the game. 
And so um, it was just unique. It, it's bananas in terms of uh, the passion that's on display in that uh, Purdue Indiana rivalry. And I, I consider myself fortunate to participate as an assistant coach and then to cover it. Uh, as a broadcaster, which I've been able to do a number of times as well. Yeah. And unfortunately you weren't able to cover March madness. Like everyone else, it, it got canceled. Uh, what do you think about the NCA coming in and not giving the spring athletes an extra year of eligibility? Do you agree with that decision? Well, I think the reason it happened uh, was the logistics. I don't think it could have been executed. So even if they chose to do it, uh, I think it could have been a calamity. Uh, there could have been lawsuits and, and all kinds of issues. And while it's heartbreaking that there were players in their senior year uh, that weren't able to participate, not only in March Madness, but in other sports um, on both the men's and women's side. And so while it's heartbreaking, uh, we are at this unfortunate set of circumstances. Uh, a pandemic is serious. And even though I love sports, and as a coach and a competitor and as a broadcaster would have loved to have seen, you know, seniors go out as they deserve. Uh, but I think in some ways, it, you know, the world teaches us things, stepping back, taking a deep breath, uh, putting priorities in their proper order. And when we're talking about life or death, that supersedes a uh, pandemic supersedes March madness. And uh, so I still think there are lessons to be learned or gleaned uh, even from unfortunate uh, horrifying experiences uh, like the coronavirus. Well, and, and do you see any scenario, Grant? Let's just say everything seems to to get back on track. They're able to open colleges in the fall. They're able to start the college basketball season on time. Again, that's you know optimistic, and it's tough to predict any of this stuff right now. Do you think there's any chance? They do a uh, like a fall March Madness or or some sort of Bob Huggins was pushing for that. Yeah. yeah. Do you think do you think Bob Huggins is onto something or are you or is it or is he just kind of crazy throwing that out there? Well, for starters, Bob Huggins one of my favorite people in all of college basketball. We love I him here. To him as the, I, I refer to him as the Robert Mitchum of <laughs> college basketball coaches, a rugged individualist. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not afraid to speak his mind and love the way he's play, but. Uh, in this situation, I think it's a wonderful idea, but the execution, I think, would be impossible, uh, given the logistics again and um, the liability issues. And, and I just think we're, as we say, in that new normal, and that new normal is going to be informed uh, literally by the hour, not just the days. Uh, but as we gain more information about this virus uh, that we know so little about, it's really in its infancy, uh, which is a frightening idea or concept to get our minds wrapped around that. But uh, we have to just be and prudent and really make informed decisions uh, as we go along. And again, I'd love to see a March madness in the fall, but I'm not sure uh, or even close uh, yeah. to really being able to execute and deliver on a promise like that. Well, you, you're speaking about the, uh, the new normal and it, and it appears maybe we're entering a new normal with uh, highly recruited high school co uh, basketball players opting to take a NBA G league contract and pick up $500,000 instead of going to college basketball. Do you think that's going to hurt the college basketball game or is it going to weed out some of the one and dones and bring back four year players? And in a weird way, make college basketball stronger, which way do you see it going? You know, I think it'll be a, a mixed bag. Uh, there's going to be some players, obviously, that we all would have 
love to have had an opportunity to watch play in college. Um, but I also think it's going to put more of an emphasis, more of a spotlight on upperclassmen, um, players that stay in school three or four years, uh, who we have an opportunity to get to know as they grow, uh, young people who grow up and blossom right before our eyes because they're on the stage that college basketball presents. Um, but I think the NCAA, uh, with the NABC, with USA basketball, uh, is going to put their heads together and they're going to try and continue to figure out ways to make the college experience attractive uh, to the elite players in the country. Doesn't mean there won't be some uh, that go right out of high school and, you know, bypass the college experience. Uh, but I do think um, it's incumbent upon us uh, to find ways, given the changing culture, uh, to retain some of the best players and uh, make sure that they are in college. I mean, think how different basketball would be uh, if Magic Johnson or Larry Bird uh, hadn't gone to college. And not only they change, elevate uh, the college basketball game and its popularity, but then a the couple years later in the NBA, uh, they changed and elevated the popularity of the professional basketball at the highest level in this world. So we still want to make sure that we get enough of the Magic Johnsons, uh, the Carmelo Anthony's, the Larry Birds, uh, the Purvis Ellisons, the Jason Kids, uh, those players that can come in and transform a program, elevate a program uh, yeah. as freshmen. Yeah. Uh, now, now, Coach, you've been on both sides of the of March Madness, essentially. You know, and I, I know that both these things have to like you know wake, you probably wake up in the middle of the night wondering, hey. You know, you got the Tyus Sedney game winner at Missouri or against Missouri, not at Missouri. And you got, you know, you've been on the other side of that spectrum where, where, you know, uh, with a Princeton over Detroit, which bothers you more to this day when you reflect and be like, Oh man, you know, like it's a good question. I'd say for different reasons, again, um, they're almost different categories. You know, NCAA tournament games have more significance because it's a one and done scenario. And so if you make a run to the national championship, uh, to the elite eight, uh, to a final four, uh, that's special. That's a unique kind of rare air uh, in terms of being able to experience something like that. So the 95 national championship is, is so special. Um, and yet I'd also say uh, road wins in tough environments are something you look back on fondly. And also your rivalry games. I'd say those are the three areas when I look back on my career, uh, the games that were biggest or most significant or memorable or NCAA tournament games, uh, rivalry games, uh, and then winning on the road to go to Chapel Hill and beat Carolina or going to Purdue and Mackey Arena and knock them off. Uh, uh, those are special. You know, Stanford or USC in a rivalry game uh, is obviously special given its cross town rivalry in the history of USC and UCLA, Purdue and Indiana, as you mentioned. Um, so, and you remember the first round losses. I mean, uh, you go back and review, you know, what you could have done differently in terms of the substitution or maybe switch into a zone earlier or spring yeah. the full court press on at a different time in the game or burning the timeout or not using that timeout. And again, that's why sports is a metaphor for life. If we look back on the arc of our life, uh, there's decisions you make that work out. There's decisions you make that don't work out, uh, but it's what you learn along the way that matters most. And that's what wisdom and life experience is about. Uh, so I'd say the Tyus Edney, you know, Missouri mad dash game winner 
uh, up there in uh, Boise, Idaho, uh, is something that uh, will always rank near the top in terms of special moments in a, in a basketball career. When it comes to to kind of uh, locking in a recruit, do you do you have like a go to closer line? Like, what do I got to do to put you in a St. John's uh, jersey? Like, do you have a line that you throw at the end to really sum things up, or your final sales pitch to the uh, player? You know, it's interesting. Every coach is different, and uh, you know, my teachers, my parents, uh, Coach Wood and Coach Katie, uh, really emphasized be true to thyself. Um, you know, be authentic, be real, uh, listen and drop into that moment uh, with that family and that prospect, his support group, uh, whether it's in the home, uh, during a home visit or whether they're on campus or whether you're on the phone. And, uh, I apply that regardless of recruiting. I just think that's the better way, which is authenticity and being yourself because, uh, young people in particular have an antenna and they'll see through phony. Uh, if your presentation is canned and um, it's one that's, you know, used um, over and over, regardless of you the sound like a used car salesman. you're working with. Yeah. They, that'll turn them off. Exactly. And so it's all about connection, establishing trust and rapport. And uh, even if, a player chooses another university, you want them to do well uh, because that's someone you spent some time with. And at least in my case, you know, built a relationship with. And um, so I didn't rely on kind of hook, line and sinker or, you know, uh, cliches. Um, Instead, I just like to ask questions and listen, and that would inform how we could better deliver an experience, whether it was at Purdue or UCLA or St. John's and um, a young student, that's interested in broadcasting or journalism. Uh, when yeah. I sit down or talk to them, I'm going to ask a lot of questions and elicit responses that'll help me move in a more informed manner uh, to help that young person or get them closer to their potential or their goals or aspirations, or at least closer to the full expression of potential. Cause none of us are perfect, but uh, we're striving. We're trying to get better. And that's what this experience is between our first breath and our last is trying to make the most of our time here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well said coach. Now, now uh, you know, obviously you spent a lot of time at UCLA, Mick Cronin enters year one. You know, I know they had, you know, they had Alfred previously and things didn't work out with Steve Alfred. So Mick Cronin comes in and, and to start the year, I mean, they were kind of uh, all over the place. I feel like losing to Cal state Fullerton was really, you know, uh, a big letdown for the, for the UCLA fans. I, we live in Los Angeles here. So uh, we're not, I, I live not far from Westwood and uh he was really turning that program around. It's a shame. We didn't get to see March. It's really a shame. We didn't get to see March because he was really turning that around in year one. What's your, what's your thoughts on Mick Cronin at UCLA? Well, high marks for Mick Cronin. If you look at the last half of this past college basketball season, uh, he'd be the national coach of the year. And in particular, uh, given it was his inaugural season and the team had their struggles and that's a tough town and a tough environment coaching under 11 national championship banners and the legacy, the gold standard that John Wooden created at UCLA is second to none in sport, not just basketball. And the fact that he was able to get his team off the map after some really uh, tough losses, some eyesores and had them the hottest team 
in the Pac-12 coming down the stretch, playing terrific defense and a cohesive brand of offense and sharing the basketball. And you could see that group uh, start to really play well in concert at both ends of the floor. They were tied together. And so uh, he would have been national coach of the year if you look at the sample size of the second half of this past season. Uh, So high marks. Uh, He's a recruiter and uh, he's adapted well. And then the hope is that they can stay with someone for a sustained amount of time. And uh, if he can stay there a decade or more, I think he could really get it going. Uh, That's a big if, um, because obviously it's a unique uh, situation there. Uh, In my book, uh, as good a job as there is in the country, but it comes with a certain set of challenges and uh, mix at a point in his career terms of his age and his prior stops and his mentors uh, where he can manage and navigate and I think have a chance to be there for a sustained amount of time if the university backs him yeah even through some down years even if you have a losing streak or two losing seasons um, you got to stay the course the way Villanova did with Jay Wright because it led to two national titles in the last five seasons and they were ready to fire him at one point yeah but, it- uh, the leadership of Villanova was strong enough to stay with Jay and it's paid big dividends. Same with Tony Bennett. Uh, there were some years he struggled, uh, but now got a national championship and uh, has been dominant. They, and they were coming on too. A coach in the ACC. Yeah, they, they were coming on much like UCLA in the second half of the year. But, you know, it's funny how that works out because, uh, you know, the off season for UCLA last year, they originally were going to hire Rick Barnes and then it was uh, Jamie Dixon of TCU. And it just seemed like, you know, this, this crazy wild goose chase. And, you know, they finally get Mick Cronin and I, I read, you know, a lot of the publications out here were kind of bashing the, 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 the coaching search. And I thought it was a potentially a blessing in disguise. And as I really wish we could have seen the season shake out because I, I feel like UCLA would have been a thorn in anyone's side the way they were playing in March. Well, they took care of the basketball uh, by the end of the year. Uh, they weren't turning the ball over that had hurt them at certain points uh, earlier in the season. And then they were defending, uh, in a way that allowed them to get a string of stops or shutouts. And then they started getting some easy baskets off of their defense because they could get out in the open court. Uh, Tiger Campbell uh, was improving in terms of his decision-making, his judgments, playing with more confidence. He, he got the afterburners going as well once he was at full strength. And mm-hmm. you got to see his ability to separate uh, from defenders and be able to create off the bounce and make good judgments uh, off dribble penetration. So uh, there's no doubt UCLA would have been a handful uh, for anyone to play. They also imposed their preferred tempo and style of play. Uh, that's what Mick Cronin has done through the years. I faced him when I was in the old big East uh, back in 2010, 11, 12, and he was at Cincinnati at the time. And uh, he's evolving and growing as a coach um, because he's interested and he comes from a basketball family. He's going to adjust and adapt uh, like one of the things we talked about earlier here in the podcast. And that's the key you got to be flexible and be nimble in your thinking and uh, things don't always work out like you think they are, but you got to be able to pivot and then move in the direction that's going to put your team in a competitive uh, situation or advantage. Coach, there's a, uh, there's a great documentary on HBO called the scheme where they're kind of exploring uh, players getting paid in college basketball. Uh, did you see the documentary? And do you think there's anything that can be done to kind of clean up that aspect of uh, college sports? Well, I think like any industry, um, you know, obviously this most recent 
FBI investigation and the trials that came as a result uh, because of the wiretaps and, and uh, the attempt of the FBI to clean up college basketball. It's salacious. Uh, that's why there's documentaries and uh, we might even see books or movies um, on this chapter in college basketball history. Uh, I think like any industry, um, law, medicine, uh, government, uh, there's going to always be a degree of um, missteps, uh, scandals. Uh, that just comes with the territory. I think now in the information age, the 24-hour news cycle, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, maybe it's magnified in the salaciousness and uh, the sexiness of these headlines. Uh, but the reality is there's been an element of that uh, in the history of all sports and all industries. Um, and obviously at the moment, um, it's the latest news, right, that gets the attention. Um, and I think the NCAA, uh, the NABC, USA Basketball, uh, they're working you know, 24-7 on trying to protect this game, but also grow it and evolve it. And uh, there's the socioeconomic implications um, because of the NCAA, uh, the revenue that's generated, um, and then also student-athletes uh, that come from situations from their socioeconomic perspective um, that's led to this revolution. And uh, so I think what will come out of this, um, even if we look at the brand likeness uh, element, uh, similar to the way the Olympics had to adjust, and uh, they were able to do it, people thought it would be the end of the Olympics as popularity, uh, but the Olympics are doing as well as ever. And we are a, uh, we're based out of Southern California. I know you lived in Venice, uh, California for a long time. A lot of characters there. What's kind of the, the craziest thing you saw living in Venice for a time. You know, it's interesting. I loved uh, my time in Venice. And I think the most interesting element was seeing the change through the years. I arrived in Southern California, 1991, and obviously a real change from West Lafayette, Indiana, yeah, uh, to <laughs> Southern California and Venice in particular. But I love the energy. Uh, there's aspects of Venice where I was residing uh, that reminds me of Northern California, parts of San Francisco, uh, Berkeley in particular, and uh, similar to what I loved about New York. Um, different, obviously, other sides of the country, the weather preferable in California. Uh, but I enjoyed the change when I was in New York and uh, with Venice, it's just the mix of the beach life, the beach culture, but also the artists and that kind of creative energy, uh, the pulse that's created from that. And uh, the mix of old Venice and new Venice, uh, what's happening right now, even though uh, it's sad to see a lot of the old Venice residents, um, shop owners, and artists uh, getting pushed out because Abbott Kinney's become the sexiest street in America, as they say. Yeah. And uh, the designers and all the top chefs and people coming in. Um, and that part's heartbreaking because I've seen that change and there's people you know have been affected by the change. And of course, with the technology and the boom that's happening in Southern California in that respect, uh, that's changed things. But again, this is a consistent theme, right? We're talking about basketball the Olympics, the NCAA, uh, or Venice beach yeah. or the coronavirus. Um, it's about how do you adjust, use ingenuity. And uh, that's what's happening right now is people are forced to begin to think differently and think creatively 
and work in a cohesive manner uh, to problem solve. And that's what's going on with the coronavirus. And uh, that's what's going on with college basketball. And uh, those are themes uh, that transcend the outcome of a game or championship season or uh, what a coach's record is, uh, but they're more lasting kind of universals um, that are more important. That sustain uh, beyond one season or a new cycle. Well, uh, Steve, appreciate you calling in and uh, make sure you give Steve Lavin a follow on Twitter at Steve Lavin 64 and on Instagram as well. Also Steve Lavin 64 and then uh, check out all his work on Fox sports, CBS and Turner coach. Appreciate you calling in. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed it, fellas. Let's do it again. Definitely, sure. definitely, and looking forward to hearing you uh, call college basketball this. Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully this this <laughs> fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If not, if not, we'll do a weekly check, and I'll be your man in the field up here in Northern California. Done. There, there we go. That, that sounds awesome. Love it. Yeah. That sounds great, All right, coach. Fellas, be safe. Stay home and be safe. Likewise. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Steve Lavin for calling into the show. Make sure you enter your bracket for Madden Mayhem. Chance at ten thousand dollars in my bookie credits. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Madden. Get yourself in the running for the uh, TD cash by uh, doing a social post hashtag Madden Mayhem and give us those five star reviews. Come on, we're keeping you, we're keeping you going in the quarantine. Perfect time to spread the word on the podcast. Appreciate all the word you guys do on, on spreading the word, but you know this is a perfect time. Get people hooked on the podcast. They don't think there's sports going on. They're wrong. We're simulating them and we're, uh, we're betting on them. We're doing play by play. We're doing it all. Thank you for participating in the sports gambling podcast. I am Sean stacking the money green and he is Ryan. Sean, if we get to 2000 people in the bracket contest, I will do something very special for the audience. Kramer, let it ride.